We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Winning isn't everything, but it's the only thing. In our business, there is no second place. Either your first or your last. Exactly two minutes remain in this football game. Dallas leads Green Bay 17-14. Shar on third down. Third and goal. Quarterback. Three seconds left. Green Bay Packers are going to be world champions, NFL champions for the third straight year. Far. Lays it up for Freeman and it's incomplete. And or did he cave in the catch at the 15? Yes. What are they gonna roll it? He caught it? Touchdown! He did what? Rogers in trouble. It's gonna get there. He turned 32 yesterday. Does he have a vintage moment in it? In the end zone! It is caught for the win! Richard Rogers! With a walk-off touchdown. The final snap of Super Bowl 45. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Talk of the Tundra, your Green Bay Packers podcast as a proud partner of the Blue Wire family and the Eurostep Podcast Network. As always, I am your host, Numak. Coming back to you with a preview pod of the Los Angeles Rams game coming up this Sunday. I believe it's a noon game this week, Jordan, if I'm not mistaken, as we go through this stretch of a whole lot of noon games. So, obviously, I've already introduced my co-host, but Jordan, how are you doing, buddy? <laughs> doing well. It looks like I have no power right now, which resembles the Packers offense. <laughs> Get it together, LaFleur. Which one? Because his brother's the offensive coordinator for the Rams. Did you see that banter and back and forth this week they had? I did. I thought it was cute. I thought it was good to the game. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I guess let's, let's get to the game. Uh, before, okay, okay. before we get into... I guess let's do cheeses first, and then do deadline, and then do the preview. There's our our itinerary for for the for the for the podcast for the, for the listeners. That's right. So, cheeses to hand out from the abysmal Vikings game. <laughs> this is a running theme as of late. But uh, three cheeses to give out. The first going to Preston Smith. Uh, without a doubt, the highest performing Packer uh, PFF wise, as well as just counting stats wise. Had five tackles, uh, three of them were solo, 
I'm sorry, two of them were solo, had two sacks, one tackle for loss, and a pass deflection to go with four QB hits. So he was active on Sunday against uh, Kirk Cousins and company, just being being a menace overall. So he definitely earned his keep for his Jesus. Definitely, definitely. Next up is TJ Slayton, also had a pretty good day, uh, was third on the team in tackles with nine, four of them being solo, and had two tackles for a loss. Uh, also graded out well on PFF. So first uh, cheese for t- first cheese for TJ Slayton this this year, and albeit well-earned. I think I saw him flying around a few times during the Vikings game, so it's not like he was up. It was quiet. He was definitely around making some big impact plays when they, when they had to have some at that point in the game. Yes, 54 yards of rushing from the Vikings running backs. I mean, we knew that was not a very productive running back tandem, but still... Yep. Uh, TJ Slayton helped do that do his part. Yep. Third in the on the team in defense of rating or defense rating the PFF metric uh, this week behind Preston Smith and Devontae Wyatt. Devontae Wyatt didn't have too many of the, of the counting stats to go with his grade, so uh, TJ Slayton gets the nod over him. And last but certainly not least is our former Pro Bowl level uh, left guard or I guess guard in general, uh, Alton Jenkins. Al Jenkins uh, gets his first cheese of the of the year, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. He, he might have had one before. I'm not entirely remembering. Um, have to go back in the archives. Must must have to go back in the archives. But led the team in pass blocking um, with a solid 90 grade. Did very well that way, and was um, the second highest rated run blocker behind Zach Tom by 0.2 points. Um, notably, did not let up any pressures, hurries, sacks, anything like that. Um, was one of the only, I think, starters to not. I, him and John Runyon Jr. both did not let up a sack, but John Runyon Jr. also let up, um, I, th- I believe, a hurry and had a penalty enforced on him. So he didn't have a great game blocking overall, but EJ had a pretty well rounded game and was keeping Love upright when others weren't. So that rounds out the cheeses for this week Preston Smith, TJ Slayton, and Elton Jenkins. Now, shall we get to the. Topic de jour, Razul Douglas traded from the Packers to the Buffalo Bills, along with a fifth-round pick to receive back an illustrious 2024 third-round pick. Um, the fifth-round pick the Packers are sending is, project- is projected to be right now pick number 142, and the, p- the Bills pick that's coming back is projected to be number 88. Um, I'm this. I guess this has been one of the uh i guess the talking point since we last recorded jordan on monday night and then through the deadline tuesday all of wednesday and now some part of uh thursday as well as we record this but uh Russell douglas was the starting corner and probably the best performing corner i don't think it's even a probably at this point this year um on the packers ahead of jair alexander the packers save just under $900,000 in cast base for this year. Not that it matters because they probably <laughs> won't go and sign anybody anyways, without barring any injuries. Um, and then save $6.5 million of cap next year as his contract expires at the end of next year. Um, that leaves them with Jair Alexander, Carrington Valentin, Keyshawn Nixon in the slot, Robert Rochelle and Corey Valentine as Darnold Savage and Eric Stokes um, are on injured reserve so the secondary gets thinner and less talented and as of right now they're slated to have 11 picks in the draft we 
we got that right after we talked about it last time. So including comp picks and things like that. Five of which will be in the top 100. The only quarter cornerbacks under contract for next year are Jair Alexander and Carrington Valentine. With all that being said, I'm going to let you start so I don't talk for 15 minutes straight and let you get aired out. So, Jordan, what was your reaction to Razul's trade and what do you think about it? Um, It's very... Uh, it, we're coming day, a couple days after this, I'm sure in the moment it would have been a lot more heated but i also if trying to do a breakdown minute by minute breakdown because i'm paying attention to what's being done on deadline day and there was a lot of movement more than not as big names like last year with with a uh, christian mccaffrey moving to the bay area but a lot of defense moving we saw washington be active with their pass rushers leonard williams the day before the deadline gets moved there was some movement around the league and it's approximately like 2 to 15 where it's like, okay, what's going to happen in the final hour? The result thing kind of just went under the wire. I believe it was the actually, actually the last deal to go through before the deadline, which is about a half hour beforehand. And I was kind of stunned. I mean, we talked about it going into the trade deadline too. I mean, he was one of our guys that we picked and it's like, okay, we broke it down where, yeah, there's a lot of secondary help that contenders need. We talked about Dallas. I can't remember if we talked about Buffalo at the time, but I remember having them in mind because they've had a lot of injuries to their secondary. Tredavious White, I believe Jordan Poyer. Don't quote me on that one. There's another er, – um, one of their first-round picks recently that has not been doing well is they even have made him inactive. Just went on IR as on the day they're recording. I believe his name is Elam, Kair Elam. I'll look it up. Um, so Buffalo certainly in that, that tier of contending teams that needed some, uh, sec or uh, secondary help just didn't imagine that Razul Douglas would be that, but I understand. See, I think for me, the move itself, there's this part of it. There's, there's two things that we're going to go get into with this pot. The move itself is okay. Packers are sliding. The season is what it is. They recognize the moment. They recognize, hey, we're far out of the division. There's no chance in hell that we're probably going to get a wild card spot now on top of that. What few veterans that we have are of interest to teams around the league like Buffalo. I'm sure there are other teams involved, and Brian Gukun's fairly just said as much that there is other teams. I think San Francisco was involved as well. San Francisco, I would not be surprised because they are very aggressive at every tra trade deadline. Um, and I look at the return, and I was like, okay. Like, I, I understand it's a third-round pick, even though that Brad Gukunz has historically whiffed on third-round picks like none other. Um, I just think it's a culmination of just where the Packers are at that I just feel like yeah, is Razul Douglas was Razul Douglas gonna be on the next great Packers team? No, he's not. Doesn't fit the the timeline. His contract was gonna be up next year, or following next year, I should say. It was obvious that you know some. This is not the first decision that we will be going through on the pod with veterans that are still on the roster that the Packers will eventually move on from. 
but I think it was just in the moment of a dispiriting loss to a division rival and Razul steadily standing as the guy that said the right things to the media, to teammates, to everything. We're hearing anecdotes of rookies and second year guys coming to him, just be like, Hey, how do we fix this? What are like, you know, we talked about that plenty um, after the game on Sunday. And I just think in that moment, like it's not necessarily about him just getting traded. It's about just the season just being the way it is and that it's, it's just been a disappointment. And I, who knows what will come of the pick that they got back from the bills. But it also is like, so you're getting rid of a fifth rounder, even though he's on a very team friendly contract that you restructured a couple months ago. Like it just, it, it was just kind of a meh return, and I, you know, we'll see, we'll see. I guess the fact that they had to send out a fifth to get back a third is crazy to me, absolutely crazy. Because it's moving up fifty picks and also getting off of a veteran that is, by large, your most vocal leader. I think right now that's playing consistent snaps. You can talk about Aaron Jones being a leader, which he is, but he's not. Like playing every down, he's not. He hasn't played much this year. Razul has been the the vocal leader on and off the field for the entire team as of late. Like Jordan Love is is struggling. He's kind of spinning his wheels as he plays, and he needs guidance and needs some some help with leadership as well. I'm not knocking him for it. I'm just saying that it's been a rough year. He's got a lot in his plate rather than trying to lead others as well as pick up his game. Razul has played well. And has slotted into the like the fifty-three man leader this year. And I know there's been a lot of consternation as to what sort of value does he sort of give as a veteran leader and as a guy in that locker room for one of the worst ranked defenses in the league. It doesn't matter. The team's gonna suck regardless of whether Razul's there or not. But we've talked about at length how the receiving core, the tight end core, the uh secondary, and a lot of these positions that are struggling don't have a lot of veteran leadership to to help there the secondary has Jair and now formerly Razul but especially for the offense in their specialist roles the the main thing was again it's the word of the month Jordan are rudderless and when you have these rookies like you're sending in uh Carrington Valentine to go start for them on the outside against mm-hmm. wide receiver twos and whoever else that's it's gonna go poorly like, you thought the defense was hard to watch now? Razul made so many plays at the line of scrimmage or snuffed out screens that were going to end up for bigger yards and he makes a great tackle, makes a great, like, shoestring tackle or anything like that to knock him for a loss. Great in coverage most of the time, I'll say. He's got, he has breakdowns, but what corner doesn't? At that same time, it's just like the Bills were desperate for a cornerback and they still couldn't get something more than a third out of him or for him and had to send a pick. And so the, the, the selling off of veterans isn't something I'm so mad at because the team stinks and they're preparing for the future anyways. But the other side of that coin is that none of this gets any better with this trade. If you're trying to see these guys develop and see what they can do with these, with the more opportunities they're being given, all you're doing is creating a situation in which they're getting more snaps while practicing and executing not to their highest level because they're effing rookies and they're second year guys. Like these guys are young and they don't have 
that leader to look to anymore. They might go to Jair, and I'm saying they probably should, given his talent, but I think the the kind of aura of Jair, and this is sort of beside the point, but I think it might have been Ryan Wood or one of the beat guys up there said today that Jair didn't know that Razul got traded until today, Thursday, or Wednesday, one of the two. It wasn't on Tuesday, he didn't know. He heard it. I bet uh, it was Wednesday. I think he heard it on the radio, on the like way in from his house to the facility. And it's just like Jair's in his own world, doc, and that and more power to him. That man's screen time is at absolute zero. He also said that the Packers are going to win out. Right, Jair is a lot of talk, and that's just yeah. fine. We love Jair for what Jair is. Get frustrated with him sometimes, but at the end of the day, he's he's our guy. The the point being is that I feel like in basketball you can throw out a team of rookies and the the five the five rookies that are playing at the time the, they'll they'll kind of get into it right the nature of a basketball team is you're not going to have 15 rookies or 15 guys within 2 years of each other on or within 2 years of the rookie deals on contract you know what i mean the rockets try their damnedest recently. right right but it that's a pretty big outlier as to yeah. how it goes the Packers are currently throwing all of their rookies and first contract guys into the fire with with this move. You want to uh, evaluate talent? This is how you do it. And frankly, if they're going to evaluate talent and it's going to go as poorly as it does this this season, then they better get ready to cut all these guys. Right? Because they're going to stink. And if they're not showing improvement, which... It's going to be hard when Jair can't go up against Travis Kelsey. He'll get cooked. Jair can't cover the taller receivers. He'll get jumped over. Like, Jair is good. He's a good corner, but he's 5'10". He just doesn't have the stature to compete with some of these mega big receivers. And so then you're, again, laying out these other guys who are also not as big as Razul was. Razul was the tallest corner that we had. And... With Stokes on IR and with um, Donald Savage on IR, it just made no sense to me. From a strictly player perspective and a scheme perspective, it makes zero sense because all you're doing is setting up these other guys for failure. That's all you're doing. I mean, we could say that's very consistent with how this team has been built, right? Yeah. We had optimism at the beginning of the season to that these young guys were going to make strides. Hell. I tweeted out a picture of the 2011 <laughs> offense and said it's loading with the with, with these guys now. That looks terrible, doesn't it, Jordan? Oh, remember that? We got so excited. It's loading, but it's just like I, it's still I, loading. By the way, it is still loading. It has potential, but they just need to learn <laughs> to catch the damn ball. Um, big big first step. But I think the point is, Jordan is. The roster construction doesn't make any sense from a competing standpoint. I, I don't know who asked it in the press conference, but it, they've asked such a good well, question. Think, they, they, think... they asked such a good question in that all they're doing, like they, they Goody said in the press conference, I'm, I'm going to go around a circle here. They say he doesn't believe teams tank and that like yes. no, no NFL team tanks. And then one of the reporters says, like, I understand that. Jason like, Wildey. Jason Wildey was talking about how he understands that you're trying to get a better draft pick knowing that this team's expectations are going to be low and not of playoff caliber. But, I have the quote if you, if you want it. 
Go for it. Are you ready? Yep. So this is this is basically like the capper to Goody's press conference, which if you have not listened to or watched, I would recommend watching this because it is very interesting. It's 25 minutes. There's a lot of filler. It's frustrating. There's a lot of filler. There's a lot of talking in circles with a lot of questions that are he frankly just gives the same answer to multiple times. But on the topic of tanking in terms of Razul and making a move that the Packers clearly are downgraded by, but they say that they want they're focused on Sunday because that was what he kept saying. Right. Goody goes, I don't think people tank. I really don't. I think people make decisions based on their situations, but I don't think anyone in this league tries to tank. Then will the ask a follow up whether that applies to a team that trades away multiple bets? Goody replies, I think they look at their situation and they look to and look to build for the future, but they're not tanking. They're not trying to lose. I think everybody goes out there and tries to win every single game. I think you have mo- I think you have times when you can acquire assets that help you more next year than it does at the moment. But I don't think anyone ever tanks in this league. So I think that's just the NBA way of looking at it. Like the players have never been accused of tanking. Never. Matt LaFleur isn't tanking. No NFL coach is tanking. No player is tanking, which I think is how he took this question. GMs tank. Owners tank because they don't have the, what's the word? Whatever the opposite of a luxury is. Plausible deniability. Right. They have plausible deniability in that they can just, I'm doing what's best for the team, go getting picks, building for the future. My, my frustration was that they're going to go out there and win. And I again, I don't know what reporter asked it. It wasn't to this question. It was about an earlier one saying, okay, you're doing what's best for the football team, but then you go talk about what is what you're going to try and win on Sunday against the Rams. Trading Razul. Also Jason Wildey. Okay, thank you, Jason Wildey. You're a fantastic reporter. Trading Razul and trying to win on Sunday are not working in concert. They are not, they don't, they don't work together. And so it, it goes to show that like, what does Goody believe? What is he trying to do? Because I, we both we both talked individually, like to one on one on one. It was a lot of GM talk, a lot of platitudes about football, and it's just about managing a team in general. What you're going to get during the season, Goody's been good for those, but it's just frustrating for it to be so easily called out like that from a reporter because it's so obviously identified, right? Like if. Any good reporter can like call him on that instantly. Then it's just it's all for nothing. Your your veil of excuse is already gone, and I would have rathered Goody just say, "We're looking towards next year. We're going to evaluate all of our guys in these last ten games to see who can help us play for next year and where we might need to improve." And sure, that might put more pressure on guys, but isn't that kind of what you want if you know you're going to suck? Like if. If you if you were trying to get the guys who can't perform under pressure and trying to get the most out of guys by lighting a fire under them, why not just say it? You're already not liked for trading Razul. Like it's just I don't know. Maybe I'm looking at it a little harshly, but regardless of it all, I I think that trading Razul for the third, if it was a second, I could probably be talked into thinking it was a good deal. But trading Razul and a pick away for a third and around that they can't hit on picks in general. And I saw this stupid freaking tweet. I don't know who it was from talking about how Goody and company have a history of not hitting on picks. Doesn't mean they're not going to hit on the next one. It's not a fucking lottery ticket. 
it's all about player development and player yes. and player talent evaluation. They can't do it in the third round, and they've proven that. Like, say what you will about Goody's player evaluation skills. He hits on some. He's hit on Jair. He kind of hit on Savage. Like, he it it's just it's not there in the third round. It's not even. We could look at we can look at specific rounds where guys were taken. As we talked about, like look at offensive players that the Packers have drafted under Goody. How many guys have got a second contract from the Packers? I think Elton Jenkins. I might be it. That might be it. And we're talking about this will be a seventh draft, so we have a quite a number of classes that we can say, "Hey, this is what it is." Of course, not every position is going to be equal. Uh, MVS probably would have been in that same conversation had he not, you know, gotten a good bag from the Chiefs and stuff like that. But I think it, it's funny how that press conference was really like it was headlined by talking about Razul and you know he mentions talking about you know they weren't really looking to move anybody. They were more they were going into the deadline thinking that they were going to add, which you know I take that as oh after the Saints game, maybe they were thinking, oh, we let's grease the wheels a little bit and then they get on the slide. Or maybe it's as recent as last week. We don't know. There's no time frame involved in there. But it does kind of give you a lick into their psyche of like what they were thinking. And then he says that there's a – or they got an offer that was too good to pass up with the Bills, which – Disagree. Disagree. It's kind of meh, but like whatever. And then I'm gonna interject honest, real quick. I'm sorry. Yes. Sorry. If a, if a, if a, if trading a fifth and Razul for a third is an offer that Brian Gunakuns can't pass up, then we just need to reevaluate all of his negotiation skills. Because I'm sure he's gotten way better offers for draft picks and like draft night than that. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, yeah. I mean, Jonathan Taylor for Christian Watson and whatever else. <laughs> anyway, um, but. I think what really stood out from that press conference wasn't it was really a state of the union of like what this team is at. I mean, it quickly the first couple of questions were about Razul Douglas and then Matt Schneeman pulled off the band-aid. It was like, what do you think of Jordan Love? And it's like here, I let me let me say the quote. A little bit up and down, like our entire offense. It's been a work in progress for the entire offense. There's big glimpses, particularly in the second halves, of good football, but we have not started very well. I think that group as a whole has a lot to work to do, but at the same time, they're committed to, to the process process and expect better results to come. So it's kind of like tipping the toes around Jordan Love. Then a follow-up comes out of if it will take more than this season to know if Jordan Love is the guy. Brian Gruden-Koons goes, I hope not. We got 10 games left. It's going to be a very important 10 games. He's done a lot of really good things. I really like the way that he's responded to the adversity, how he's led the team. Again, we've got to be better as a unit, and I expect that to happen over the next 10 games. We're going through some things that we knew we'd go through. We haven't had the results that we want, but I do like the way guys are responding to things. And then last one to kind of put a trifecta to this. Evaluate the offense and uh, knowing that Jordan or with Jordan Love, and then acknowledging that there's been a lot of mistakes of like miscommunication, bad route running, drops, everything like that. Brian Gutekunst replied, It's not just evaluating the quarterback, but everything, all the players. 
When the group as a whole is not functioning the way it should function, it's hard to evaluate anybody. At the same time, it's on us to get to that, or it's on us to get that right. When we're not clicking, it's tough to evaluate anything. So that was the familiar refrain for about like the major bulk of the press conference from that point on. Mm-hmm. And it's all true. Like, it is true. It's really hard to evaluate where the Packers are at. The problem that I ultimately have with where – a couple things that I have to say is that Brian Gugu can talk like a guy that has a lot more job security than he might have in any other situation. Yeah, I mean, like, we knew that there was going to be pain. I, I've seen a lot of pundits or writers around the league, and they're right. Like, there's a lot of dead money on this team. And that's going to weigh you down. There's, there's, we talked about trying to recreate 2008, 2009 with under McCarthy, Aaron Rodgers, and all the, the class of people that have, you know, helped continue that next era. Um, but as we mentioned, Brady Gunkunst has more misses than hits in terms of the offense, especially in the light of Ted Thompson, who everybody thought was trash by the end of it. High profile misses and hits. Like by the yes, nature of sorry. drafting, you're going to have more misses than hits because of how many picks you have. It's but like it's the, been, the premier picks in rounds one, two, and three. Yes, it's been very volatile. Yes. Probably more so than even we can remember with Thompson. Yeah. Or Ron Wolf before that. Um and honestly, like, okay, so you put this ten games banner on Jordan Love. And it's not wrong, really. Like, the nature of if the pick gets higher and higher, you have to – nothing is off limits. You know what I mean? Like, you ultimately – when you go through a season this bad and you get rewarded with a really good pick, you can't just say, well, we're not – we got a quarterback, so we're not going to draft a quarterback or whatever. But I think the problem and I think the thing that ultimately that I kept thinking about this whole time – is your point of, well, the players are putting, going out there to try to win. The coaches are doing the same. Brian Gutekunst, we don't hear much of him throughout the year. We don't hear much of him during the offseason unless if Aaron Rodgers wants to get out and <laughs> reporters are crawling out of the combine and trying to find him and lock him down on an interview and all that stuff. But I think the thing is, is that it look at it now and how Jordan Love's contract looks. He can interpret it in a way where did he ultimately believe that Jordan Love was going to be the future quarterback? And who's to say through seven starts of this season? But I think it's very damning that you, Jordan Love is going to be forever the pick that Brian Gutekunst is associated with, and that the asset management alone coupled with all the performance standards and everything like that that we expected this year that he's fallen short of mostly it's like how 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 does it change from we need to see him as fast as we got you know what I mean like we need to see him out there we need to see him out there and then it becoming well he's essentially got 10 games to prove that he's the guy in part because you gave him a contract extension that essentially was hey we're front loading you for this year, but next year, hey, we're kind of in control of what you, what you are, what you, if you are on this team. 
because it kind of feels like it's getting that way. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's, I, I, I want to go back to what you said, that it's a lot of comments from a guy that has more job security than he should. And I, I totally agree. Like, if, if the Jordan Love experiment doesn't work out, and whether that's this year or next year, it, it might be time for the chickens to come home to roost on Brian Gutekunst. Because, like, what do you do with a GM that has flubbed so many first-round picks that haven't turned out to be sometimes even serviceable starters and second round guys that sometimes don't pan out and third round guys that haven't pan out always. Like it's just, I know that with Aaron Rodgers, you're never going to have a top 10 pick, a top 20 pick usually. And that limits the amount of like the talent that you're getting in the 20 to 32 ish range. Obviously haven't haven't been 32. What do you say? It cascades really. Cause then you're, we're talking about like the last picks of the draft. Right, the seventh round, or like late in the fifth. Or, yeah, I mean, like it, right. Yeah, no, I totally get what you're saying. It's it's not just a late pick in the first; it's a late pick in the second. Like they just have the worst, the the lesser of the picks as they go and go. And yeah. I don't think they've been the most steadfast in improving their draft position. Always, like you look at how the Eagles are operated under Howie Roseman. I believe is his name. I'm, yep. Thank you. I second guess myself on the pod, and I just shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they're always making moves, always trying to get better and improve their draft picks. Like they're trying to win now, and that was never really the the mantra at twelve sixty five Lombardi Avenue. And so they're always just focused on maintaining. I don't want to say budget the apple, but wanting to make sure that they kept getting better and younger with that, which worked out during Rogers' prime. Towards the end of his career, now it's kind of come and bitten him in the ass. All that is to say, getting back to Goody's job, if you wasted a first-round pick in 2020 on a quarterback that ends up starting 17 games for you, 18, get counting his Kansas City one, and you cut him loose, that's just grounds for firing. Like, you wasted a first-round pick on a quarterback while you had an MVP, future MVP quarterback, already playing well future Hall of Fame quarterback, all that kind of stuff. And you wasted it on a quarterback. You wasted it on a shot in the dark, honestly. Like, it was a, it was to bring it all full circle, Jordan. Jordan Love was a freaking lottery ticket. 
And if it paid off, if the gamble paid off, he was going to look a genius. But now he's stuck with a piece of paper. And it might just be worth sticking your gum in and throwing away at this point. Like, I'm not saying Jordan Love is bad. Because it's it's seven it's games. It's convoluted. It's not just his fault. I think the more and more you watch of... Happy all... birthday, Jordan Love, by the way. Christ. The more and more you watch of, like, all 22 tape, it's it's not his fault entirely. The no. RP the RPO that wasn't a run or a pass on where Romo Dobbs made the hero catch, no receivers run a route. Which was a penalty, by the way. Right. Well, on Rasheed Walker, because, again, nobody knew what was going on. You look at some of the drops, like, it's not his fault that they can't catch the ball. It's convoluted, and that's the problem, right? But there, that's not to say he's not without fault. He's made mistakes. Yeah. He needs to improve on those mistakes. But then, if it's convoluted, you look back at the guy who made the freaking roster. And that's Goody. Yes. Goody set up this roster in hopes of being able to evaluate young talent. But we I'm pretty sure we talked about this on Sunday. The failure to give Jordan Love appropriate tools to showcase his talent has now led to this discussion of is Jordan Love the guy after seven games? That's where we're at. It's it, It's it, not just fans. It's not just it's the fans. organization. Right. They're they're saying it themselves. We don't know. And this could have been solved. If we remember, um we we took we talked recently, so we're gonna do clean pods and for people who have sensitive ears or children listening, I am sorry. But we talked about it in fucking April. I said it on this pod so many times. Remember remember Jordan? Remember, 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 like remember Barry from South Park? Remember when I wanted uh JSN in the first round rather, rather than anybody on defense and my main number one concern was setting up Jordan Love for success to make sure we knew that he was the guy does that sound familiar it does sound familiar weird weird, weird sounds familiar weird and honestly like <laughs> this is not just about this last draft or knowing that oh the, the we're going on the change the biggest knock that the Packers have had is that oh you don't get you don't give Aaron Rodgers weapons right in the draft you think about what's better for the team moving forward or best prospect available which hasn't always been the case because how they view draft picks is entirely different to other teams and that applies to every team in the NFL but if you really think about it they could have for three years drafted the next wave of talent. It didn't have to be front-loaded like this year was or going back to last year with Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. Like There could have been this steady progression of like, okay, this is how we do piece by piece. And granted, like I, <laughs> that was definitely in their thinking. Like, it's not that, I'm not saying that they didn't do that. I'm just saying they could have done a better job of doing that. Because we can't really, again, I, I'm not. I'm going back to the love of it all. I will never Jordan say love. it's bad. Jordan love, sorry. <laughs> um, I will never say it was a bad process because 
God knows you can't find a quarterback in free agency. It just does. The outliers are the outliers. It's not. You don't get Geno Smith every. No, every you season. don't get Geno Smith or who was the the big quarterback that moved to free agency this year? Derek Carr. Look how that's yeah. working in New Orleans. Not too like, well. Not too well. Like it, it just does just, not just help. Half the draft one. Yeah, because for teams like say you're the Giants, you draft Daniel Jones. He sucks for three, four years, right? Then a contract and, year comes up. And then a contract year comes up. and New coach. New coach. And it looks like he finally turned the corner. Excuse me. And they leave to the playoffs. Give him a playoff win. And now this year they're like one in six. Given he's been hurt for a couple of them, but he has not played well. Maybe has not played Darren well. And, and honestly, like I, that Darren Waller trade which the Packers were reportedly in on last year um, for before he got moved to New York. That it was, again, right move, right process. It probably won't work out because he's had a lot of hamstring injuries and, you know. He is but, made of paper mache and glass. That is confirmed. Yes. That That is yes. actually the first uh, medical diagnostic confirmation of someone being made of literally glass and paper mache. Yes. Um, but I, I just think it's really frustrating to see this kind of about face happening in a very public way where it's like, well, what are you then, Rangu? Because you're a man with no island. Yeah. You had Aaron Rodgers and you did a day, like he did a damn good job of filling in right away, making this team really respectable, finding the right coach for Aaron Rodgers in the last couple of years that Obviously led to MVP years, but when the chickens came home to roost and then you finally ushered in this new era and we're seeing what we're seeing, it's like in the back of his mind, he knew that this team could be as bad as it is. And they could say plenty about what they're seeing in practice and all that stuff. And it doesn't matter when you don't put a finished product on the field. Not even, it's not even, again, it's... (sighs) It's not even about a finished product that leads to wins. It's about just having progress. It's regression. The offense is in bad. shambles. It's bad. It's bad. The it's, it's, hiring hiring Stenovich to be coordinator is was bad. Like we, yeah, we've the, talked about it before. We won't litigate it, but it's, it's bad. There's there's just been a, a litany of factors of why things have slid down between. You know, a lot of injuries to top draft choices or guys not being the guys that they thought. Mm-hmm. Matt LaFleur's own status is being questioned right now, and rightfully so, because we all thought, hey, this is the kind of team that you figure that you'd have great success with or that you could build with for the future and have plenty of time. It's like, well, now that's in the question. Like, literally everything about the Green Bay Packers in terms of the brain trust, the decision makers – whether it's in the front office or on the field, the players themselves, it's all into question. Like, again, going back to the Razul Douglas trade, it's not a shock to see this happen the day of. It was shocking to see it just in terms of like, oh, he's gone, like that, that kind of thing. But because when you have a season like this, it's like anything's up for sale. Like, you dish off your spare parts and you, you know, if anything, maybe they should have moved off more if they're really – going to go without a safety net but like 
I just don't understand how all this happening the way it is, where it's cascading in a way where this team is going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL if they don't break out of the slide, which we're not very confident. Now with how the, that now with being gone. Yeah, how that doesn't force everyone to kind of look in the mirror or evaluate questions about the guys that are in charge. Yeah. I, to go back to your earlier point, the failure of getting any second receiver behind Devante is horrible. Simply horrible. Yes. It calls into question is again what he's doing as a GM. I hate having this conversation. I feel like Goody's gotten a lot of flack over the years, unjustly so. But what's annoying is that people are now like <laughs> set all yeah, along he I was think, trash. I which, do think the LaFleur thing kind of felt like that too. I would say more so last year. But this year, again, it's just it <laughs> I'm a part of that too, where I'm just like, really? Like this is how unprepared it feels like the, I think the Packers had the most penalties of any team in the league now. Like, Wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> that's horrible. That's right. And it's, you know, I, I just, I don't know. It was a very, watching that press conference and just the way things were answered and good reporters in Green Bay asking the right questions and Brian Gutekunst just looked like a guy that wanted to give everybody the middle finger and say, why are you asking me this question? Yeah. It's like, cause you started it, bro. Bruh. <laughs> Bruh. Yeah. It just, it hasn't been good. It just, it just hasn't. And so all in all trading Razul is a bad idea. In our opinion, if they were going to trade Razul, they should have traded more. Also, we didn't even, sorry, sorry. I, you're, in the close of this segment. We didn't even get into the player reactions. Yeah. Like that well, I, I kind of I okay. The the, the player I mean, reactions. You mentioned Jair, but like Keyshawn Nixon is like, I feel I feel sick to my stomach. Aaron and Jones said Aaron Jones said he cried. Like Yeah. There's Razul Douglas, um, he had his opening press conference of the Bills today. Yep. He got the call from Brad Guku, so he thought it was a joke, so he hung, he hung, hung up, up on him. him. Yeah, so I'm going to uncork this take that I uncorked in the Discord and got yelled at and got called insane by multiple people for. The Razul trade from Green Bay to Buffalo reeks eerily similar of the Josh Hader trade from last year where the Brewers were in first place or something like that. I'm pretty sure that they were in first place, had a six-game lead. Trade their all-star closer and closer of the year award recipient multiple times to the San Diego Padres for parts. Uh, Danielson lament lament. I'm trying to think who else was it? Uh, um, the fella that can run real fast. Estuary Rodgers and Taylor Rogers. Or was that a separate deal? Might've been a separate remember. deal. Regardless, it was a trash haul for Josh Hader. Everybody in the clubhouse, dumbfounded, shocked. Not a winning move from David Stearns and Mark Antanasio. Just all around. Eric Lauer lambasted the team, and rightfully so. Just complete demoralizing trade. Ruined the morale of the team. Missed the playoffs. Andrew Dam talked about it plenty. This team isn't good, right? 
so the context is a little bit different in the fact that they need they need to tank as a team but and Razul maybe helps that right this team stinks in the first place and we talked about it earlier in that you're throwing these rookies and these young guys into a situation that's untenable for them to to compete at a high level in why not keep around the the leader and the good feel guy just so that the team isn't miserable right no te- no team is no great team or the start of a great team is steeped in misery like this is you know what i mean the the the, the vibes now are i think Aaron Jones was smiling today cuz he's just a overall positive person yeah i saw a lot of videos and a lot of comments from a lot of a lot of players that were just like i was shocked that they see Rosul illustrated Goody said it had nothing to do with his comments Everybody's on Monday. Sad. Everybody's sad. As as Razul once said after the yeah. Party. What a what a what a come home coming to Bruce moment or whatever you want to call it. But it just it makes it makes no sense. It the the effect on the locker room is the same as the hater trade was, and it's not going to bode well for the rest of the season. Like. I, I besides the fact that they got significantly worse at corner and coverage, it would not surprise me anymore if this team didn't win the rest of the season. Not even a little bit. They they yeah. just they just took a a huge blow losing to the Vikings. No one likes losing to a division rival. They lost two close games to the Broncos and the Raiders. They got blown up by the, by another division rival in the Lions. They they can't get right right now. And then they get punched in the face, losing one of their if not only leaders on the team. Like, it's just it's just bad business. And that's what Brian Gudenkun said. He said, at first, I said no because I couldn't think of trading a guy like that. But then the offer was too good to turn down. But the offer fucking sucks. And I think it's just another instance of poor talent evaluation to go with not necessarily understanding just the interpersonal parts of it. And I know people say that it's football and it's a business and it's this, that, and the other, the team sucks. They're going to do just fine losing with or without Razul. Why not trade him in the off season? Right. We, we want to listen to the pod about like going hunt like bigger fish hunting with Jair's contract or whatever you want to do. It doesn't really matter. But when you, don't have a good understanding, and this is where the plausible deniability aspect of it really comes into question. When you don't have a good understanding of what the um, the temperature is like around the locker room revolving around a certain guy, then I think when you do these trades that are strictly from an NFL business perspective, that's where you get into trouble. And yes. sure, now they have 11 picks next year. Would it have hurt them to have 10 picks next year? Because they're already young. They don't no, need they already more had 11 picks. Before. Before and after the trade. Right. Oh, yeah, I can't do math. I'm, yeah, my apologies. Yes, exactly. They just moved their pickup, but they don't need to get younger. They need leadership. <laughs> yes. And there, there's questions about like, oh, well, what's the difference between Razul leading on the field versus Aaron Rodgers leading on the field? The difference is, is that people weren't freaking standing for Aaron Rodgers in the locker room like they are now for Razul. People like Aaron Jones came... Like for Aaron Rodgers' offense. He's not quarterback, don't want him to leave, all that stuff. I felt like there was a good amount of Aaron Rodgers like positive stuff in the offseason, but not an overwhelming amount. You can tell you can tell me if I'm wrong. But Aaron Jones is like the one. I think Razul or Adrian it's, Amos was, were a couple. 
but sorry, go ahead if you're gonna. No, I think it's different. Where I think it was just more of like a talent thing. Where right. Like, hey, we don't want to lose a guy that's as good as Aaron Rodgers. Right. Exactly. And then you saw everybody rally around Jordan Love, and then now, I don't think the leadership style of Aaron Rodgers and Razul Douglas could be any more fucking different. Like yeah. Razul, sure would yell at guys on the field in missed assignments. The difference is is that they would yell. He would yell at them like hey you miss your assignment you're supposed to be here do you remember when aaron Rodgers yelled he looked at the fucking sideline he's he's not yelling at the people he's looking at the sideline because he doesn't want he's not going to yell at them he's not trying to teach them you might do it in, yeah. in film it was never like you're supposed to do this 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 it was like almost whining it's a discipline it's a discipline thing it was it was i think Rodgers was more whining yelling and Razul is instructing yelling. And that goes to show by the fact that he was at his locker after every game, leading Dontavian Wicks, who's not his not his position, leading no. Savage or leading anybody on the team to try and get something going, right? It's a different leadership style. It's entirely different. And to, to call into question that what good is Razul if he's not leading a group of players towards a good result of football? completely misses the point of what you think Razul is as a player and a leader. And to put a bow on this, we're talking about a guy that got picked up off a practice squad two years ago. He was, was he on the Packers two years ago? It's around this time that he was I picked think up he by them. Was. Yeah. I mean, like we're talking about a guy that gets picked up by, by the practice squad, hits the ground running with the Packers, makes game-changing plays, game-ending plays, game-winning plays, and asserts himself as a leader for, you know, does it really, does it, being a leader even for crappy football teams still matters? You're muted. October 7th, 2021. Okay, so we're a little over two years. But that that just goes to show you of, like, yeah, is that a talent, talent misevaluation by the 31 other NFL teams that said, hey, Russell Douglas is a practice squad guy now? Yeah, it was. Sure, sure as hell was. And we saw him get moved for a third-round pick. And I would I would assume a lot of people listening right now is like, well, if you look at it from that perspective, that's good business by Brian Gutekunst. I agree. I agree that from that perspective, it is good business. I also would say that the pulse of the team that Brian Gutekunst thinks he has is not as firm as I would have liked it to be based on what we're seeing right now. So that's all it is. It it ultimately, we'll talk about the, the player that the the Packers draft more than we will about Razul in the future, but it is just a very, just, it was a, it felt like a stark shot in the dark of like, oh, so they see it too, of just, you know, they're not blinding themselves of, where they are, I guess. And I'll say this. If Goody turns that third round pick and a second pick into something better, like a second first round pick or something, or another high second, then I'm fine with it. Like, if that's how he wants to operate. But the last time I think we traded up was Jordan Love. Hmm. I think it was Christian Watson. I just don't. I just don't know. I, my confidence in his drafting ability. Or actually, right now they is, might have traded up this year too. 
regardless, my, my confidence in Goody's drafting ability is suspect at best right now. And so if he doesn't trade that pick to get something better, because like you said, they have five picks in the top 100. I would like them to see, I would like to see them trade probably both thirds to get somewhere back in the second round or because I think they have now um, two seconds and two thirds trade a second and third and try and move to the back of the first, right? Do something to have a higher percentage chance to hit on a player late in the first rather than the third. Like that's just the nature of drafting. The higher up you draft, the more likely you are going to hit on somebody. And Mm. if that's the case and they find a stud, nice job, Goody. You were right. But until then, for this moment, I just don't like it. You don't like it. 53 minutes and 15 seconds, Jordan. That's exactly what I thought. We are into uh, into this oh, pod, yeah. and we had to talk about the Rams. So shall we uh, get into this week's matchup in which maybe they'll win. Maybe they won't. But I think we got to talk about it. a lot about... of questions on both sides of what the That's teams, right. are gonna, teams are going to look like. So shall we talk about the uh, the Los Angeles Rams? Mm-hmm. Los Angeles Rams come in at three and five. Just lost to the Dallas Cowboys. Boy, howdy! Forty-three to twenty-three. Cowboys looked like one of the better teams in the league again, like they always do every other week. <laughs> um, before we hop into the breakdown, we go through the injury report. My apologies. Um, currently for the Packers, limited was Jair, Elton, Aaron Jones. Uh, Luke Musgrave and Yash Nyman, all limited in practice on on Thursday and Wednesday. Um, Rudy Ford popped up on the injury report on Thursday with a calf injury. He had no uh, designation on on Wednesday. No, it's okay, Jordan. We have depth at secondary. It's all right. Um, we have a great strength and conditioning team to help great. heal that calf. Dude, did you see their trying? <laughs> did, did you see the question about that? And for Rudy. No, for Matt LaFleur. No. They talked about strength and conditioning. And, and like, what is going on? I I will have to find it. but um, save, it for, save it for later. Yeah, for I'll, later. I'll try and find it. But the Rams injury report, um, offensive lineman Rob Havenstein was a DMP. That's a pretty big thing for them. Start. <laughs> that was a pretty big thing for them. Um, even bigger is Matthew Stafford. Um did not practice with a thumb injury. He has been snake bitten this year. In the last two years since they've won the championship or Super Bowl, they haven't had good luck with his injuries. So might be starting a different quarterback, which we'll talk about in a minute, in place of Stafford. Um, linebacker Ernest Jones was a, was a DMP. And then um, Lorelli Munchinson, I can't quite read his name um was limited as well as colby durant and puka nakua their rookie standout at receiver um all limited in practice and then austin Tramel, ben skoranek uh both of which were our receivers were full participants after being limited on wednesday and then their punter was a full participant on on thursday and so was their tight end hunter long so a bit of a lengthy um a lengthy injury report for the rams particularly amongst some of their top performers um, on their team. So hopefully for the Packers' sake that some of those guys don't play. But 
I don't think it makes much of a difference anyways, frankly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so Rams coming in, like I said, three and five, having just lost to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, the series, the Packers lead by one game, 47 to 46 and two ties. Um, so that's a little interesting nugget for, for Sunday. Um, I think we ought to start with the biggest question mark facing this this matchup right now is um, the Rams possibly not having their quarterback, Matthew Stafford. Uh, Stafford a sprained UCL in his right thumb um, when they lost to the Cowboys. Um, has not practiced, but they said they won't, they won't put Stafford on IR. So likely to be a short-term injury not a four not a month injury but does put his status in the air for sunday against the packers and they might be shaping up to start brett ripian which is certainly a decision not a decision that they can not make obviously but i haven't heard that man's name in quite some time yeah yes um yeah that this is probably the difference between a Rams win and maybe a Rams win. <laughs> it's that that uh pretty clear. I mean, Stafford's not having a great year in terms of like efficiency, like his completion percentage is 59.7% as before the injury. But the guys getting the ball down the field, the Rams kind of have a, an explosive offense. I mean, Puka Nakua has been a rookie. And we're talking about a guy that has like the second most catches yards and something else. I can't remember the other set. Like he's hit the ground running. They were without Cooper cup. They've had a lot of injuries within <laughs> now. It's their quarterback. They may miss some time, at least one game. Their start, their lead rusher, Kyron Williams on IR Cooper cups are the year on IR. And, the three of five, it's not overwhelming, but like we've seen respectable performances from them over the season so far. So, yeah, like, I mean, the going from a Matthew Stafford who a competent quarterback, even if it's a down year in terms of efficiency, to Brett Rippian or Rippin, um, yeah, that's a that's a distinguished step down but knowing this team i i don't i don't know if it's really that much of a difference right now no i think that there just isn't a different a, a difference on the packer side of the ball right like i think it was joe barry had talked about how they, they're not really planning for any different like they're not planning for Stafford, they're not planning for Ripien, they're just planning for a passing quarterback because they play the same style of quarterback. One's not a passer, one's not a rusher kind of quarterback. Like the difference between a Tom Brady and a Lamar Jackson is stark, right? Yes. But yeah. between Matthew Stafford and Brett Ripien, it's the same sort of quarterback. So Joel Barry doesn't care about it, so why should we? But the point being is that no, the the Packers are going to be facing a passing quarterback on Sunday and it is dis- there any other kind? Yes, there's Taysom Hill. He's not a quarterback in his head on. He's not according to it's fantasy. <laughs> you can play him a quarterback. Whatever. <laughs> the point being um, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, I was just gonna say, I just think it's Stafford, it it's it's not just about the quarterback play, it's about their wide receivers because yeah. we're talking about 
the Packers secondary losing their most dependable player, guy that had the most snaps this year. He's gone. We're talking about Carrington Valentine, who, yeah, he's a rookie. He's a seventh round pick. He looked, he got lit up against Denver, and that's not a, a historic offense by any means. Nope. A, a good historic offense, I should say. Right. Um, how we have an idea in mind of like, oh yeah, you put Jair on Cooper Cup, you'd put maybe Carrington Valentine on Puka Nakua, depending on who's in the slot. There's a lot of interchangeability with these wide receivers. Possibly it's not going to matter. Not going to matter. No. Because any we, NFL level quarterback should be able to throw it to an open Puka Nakua or Cooper Cup. Especially if this team is in zone. I found this stat. I found this stat via PFF. You, you, you messaged me this today and I immediately knew what it was. Yes. Puka Nakua has the most targets, 61, most catches, 49. And most receiving yards, 612, against zone coverage this season per PFF. Stupid. 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 Because they'll, they'll give them, what do you think, 10? It's a third and eight, we'll 11, 9-yard nine, nine cushion. 15 yards of cushion. God. Migraines, Jordan. This team is going to give me migraines. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's that's really what it comes down to, right? They whoever's throwing the ball on Sunday, there might be a higher variance into how well it's thrown between Matthew Stafford and Brett Ripien or um not not Stenson Bennett. He's a dresser win. Yeah. Dresser win. Doesn't dresser to lose, you know what I mean? Moving on. Whoever's throwing the ball, yes, there might be some variance in how well the ball is thrown and if they're able to tr- generate some turnovers on the defensive side just by reading his reading the quarterback's eyes or things like that but ultimately if Puka Nakua is open with nobody within five yards of him any quarterback is making that throw like just any of them and same thing with Cooper Cup like there might be some tough throws down the field for Stafford or for Ripien but like you don't need to throw deep against this team when they can just get yes. seven yards, eight yards over the middle pretty freely. And this is an, like the Rams, how we have thought about them under McVeigh, And it's changed a lot depending on who's been, you know, going back to Todd Gurley, Jared Goff, then Cooper Cup emerges, emerges they make the deal for Stafford. They're a team that, that likes to control the ball play at their tempo. They're not like this run and gun team, really. Mm-hmm. They're best with like, hey, we're going to play our way. We know we have a generational defender to lean on that could single-handedly bust up offensive lines based on his size. And it checks out. Like I believe they have the second most, they average the second highest amount of plays per drive. Go and Go ahead, sorry. And their, like, offense is, like, their starting running back is not playing right now. They still, they trade away they, their backup guy. They they are struggling at running back. Yes. And it still hasn't mattered. Like, they have really, I don't know, they, again, I would easily trade places with this Rams team, even knowing that they don't have a lot of future draft capital. And they just, there's a lot of things that they... 
I it's ultimately I believe in Sean McVay and just how he coaches versus what we have. Yeah, no, but, I get that. Yeah. I am not going to argue the switching places spot because it's ultimately fruitless. But yeah, it's just it's just tough. But there was there is one bright spot on this is that whoever the quarterback is, they aren't getting protected very well. Rams have the third worst pass blocking rate per PFF. And like we had, like I said earlier, their right tackle, Rob Havenstein, if I'm not mistaken. I was, okay. You, you messed me up. You, you did the, the, the metal horns. I'm hook pretty, horns. I'm pretty sure not hook em horns. I'm pretty sure he is a badger. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Thank Cause then you were like this and I was like ready for the W and this is not a W. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. And so uh, he has not practiced all week. And so if they're out, if they're down him, they'll be even worse at, on the line. Um, they've only allowed 20 sacks, which is in the middle of the NFL on amount of sacks allowed. But with the how well Rashawn Gary's been playing, Preston Smith coming off of a good game, this might be a, a the game where maybe, maybe, maybe the defense and get something kick-started, generate some turnovers, get some sacks, and build towards something that they can improve upon for weeks to come. I think that the passing defense is going to be very hard in the coverage, but if the front seven can get home, they can relieve a lot of that pressure on Carrington Valentine, Rudy Ford, anybody not Jair. So... Yeah. I think that'll be the one of the things to watch is how does Rashawn Gary play coming off of his big contract extension this week? How does Preston play? Can Devontae get up the middle? Can Kenny Clark get up the middle and really start getting home on a one, a quarterback that could be inexperienced in Brett Ripien, two, a quarterback that's somewhat injured in Matthew Stafford and old for that matter. Yeah, the the one thing that we didn't mention with Stafford is the day to day I believe it's Jordan Rodrigue. She's the Rams yep. beat reporter for the Athletic. Very good. One She's of the really good. Reporters. She's really good. She's very good. She did um yes, play callers. 11, yeah, play callers. Yep. Um uh she mentioned the fact that hey, the Rams are playing in a cold weather city, how that determines his swelling on the day of with his thumb might have the biggest factor in terms of him playing. Which, when you look at it from that perspective, like, okay, maybe it's probably going to be rippy. And plus, it's, he's practiced all week, and you think with the reps and everything like that, just growing familiarity with how the team is going to be set up, that would, on its face, be something that the Packers should feast on. And I think a larger point or a discussion regarding the edge rushers and the defense and how they want to play in terms of getting pressures, relentless pressure. Rashawn Gary embodies that a lot. It just has felt this year and even last year, it's felt like in bunches. So we see the Saints game as Rashawn Gary has three sacks. It really played a big factor in the fact that they came back to that game and we know the state of 
they're not going to be able to, they're not generating takeaways that change the game or tilt it's on its head. Mm-hmm. And even when they do, they don't make good of it because the offense is just that abysmal. But I think from that perspective of, is this the week where the floodgates kind of open? Sean Gary is still getting a lot of pressures. Preston Smith is really finding his form last couple of weeks. Um, I'm bullish on the fact that I think this could just be a very low scoring game and the Packers could maybe wiggle their way out of it. But, you know, the difference between Matthew Stafford, even with a bad thumb and Brett Rippian with a healthy thumb, but maybe not as proven as a quarterback. It's just big plays. And this Packers defense will give up big plays, even if they get the sacks. Right. Exactly. Um, Here's to hoping they can get home. That's really, yes. really all I gotta say. The rest on the rest of the matter. Um, moving on to the, I guess just like the the rush, the rushing offense from the uh, from the Rams. They, it's been tough all year for them. Like we had said, Kyron Williams got off to a really hot start for them. Um, has now on is now on IR, having a tough go of it. Um, they've traded away Cam Akers, and then from then they've played. Um, Daryl Henderson, who they had traded away, or they they had signed a few years ago to back up Todd Gurley. Either cut him or trade him away, I forget. Signed him again. He was cut. Cut, signed again, cut again, and now signed again. Like, they can't quit Daryl Henderson. Um, but then they, <laughs> they, they, they signed Royce Freeman, and they play a guy called uh, Ronnie Rivers. Like, they, they're just trying to find any sort of production at the running back position, and it's just not working for them right now. So, God, knock on wood. Really hope that the rush defense can stop at least these rushers, right? We talked about how the Packers um, rushing defense, or the Packers defense faces more rushes than anybody else in the league through, at, through the beginning of last week. Now I think they're third. Yeah. But they, they get ran against more than anybody else because they're bad. Let's hope that we can actually stop the run against this week against a pretty lackluster running back room. Saw last week. Yeah. Even though the Vikings scored their first rushing touchdown of the season. Right. Yeah. Um, Hopefully they can continue it. Like That's part of the development too. If they can just keep holding guys to under 100 yards as a team or under guys under 100 yards under 150 yards rushing, like that's, that's good. And so it's it's worth hoping for, and hopefully that's something they can continue to get better at. Because like if they can can continue to get better at stopping the run, then I think the coverage will come in due time, right? Hopefully without Joe Barry in the mix, but they have talent with Jair. They'll have opportunities to add better corners. Like I think the coverage is just going to suck for the rest of the year. Ne- needing oh, yeah. to see real progress in the rush defense with all the guys they have up there is very important. So, um, should we move on to go with, um, some of the, uh, the offensive players? Yeah. I know there's not a lot of notes that we had prior to this, but I was looking on PFF and, um, in coverage, PFF ranks the Rams as the worst cover team by like rating in their grading in the NFL. A lowly 44. It's not good. It's not good. I will say, I tried to get to why that is. 
and I could not find anything discernibly discernible in terms of well, I think they just have a bad secondary and you know, coming off a game where they let up forty three points, Cowboys ran the ball down their throats in terms of just moving the ball, I should say. Um I think that does skew that too. And they I I don't think that's the other game that they've let up a lot of points, if I remember correctly. I'm looking at their stats and I'm kind of seeing you're saying they're at their four they're fifteenth in the league in yards allowed via pass at seventeen forty eight. Um but then they are twentieth in completions at hundred and sixty. And so and they've played eight games. They have they're not one of the teams that has they're they're one of the teams that hasn't had their bye yet, so I wonder what is the reasoning for that grade from PFF, but regardless, a forty four is a is a pretty bad grade. Like there has to be some sort of reason. And so which means there has to be some sort of opportunity for the Packers to have success this week. If they could just put some stickum on these guys' hands, we might be able to see how this offense looks with a decent passing game. Frankly. Like it's going to come down to execution as it has the rest of the weeks prior. We just need to see these guys catch the balls that are thrown to them. And, again, at home on Sunday, it, hopefully the, the, the trade deadline doesn't play in too much to how they perform. But they, they've they been working on stuff they said this week. I couldn't find the strength and conditioning tweet, unfortunately. But they've been working on stuff and trying to change things like change things up as to how they've prepared during the week. Like it seems like they are trying to fix things from what Matt LaFleur was saying during his conferences uh, this week. So yeah, if they can, if they can go their highest rated corner is <laughs> a linebacker with nine coverage snaps at 67, but then their starter, um, not <laughs> their second best coverage guy is an edge rusher <laughs> with 46 coverage snaps. Jeez Louise. Russ Yeast is a safety. That's a <laughs> bad name alert. I'm sorry, Russ, but Jesus Christ. Is their highest rated cover <laughs> cover guy at 67. He's allowed 11 receptions on 15 targets. I've broken Jordan. Oh. 11 receptions on 15 targets for 143 yards and looks like no touchdowns. Yeah but an NFL pass rating against him of 102.9. So, like, deep balls, if safeties are involved, or if he's a slot guy, like, regardless, if that's your best guy, then there's options there, right? And so, here's to hoping they can find some sort of rhythm, some sort of rhythm to get the passing game going. Also, we should remember this Rams team did have Jalen Ramsey in their secondary last year, and they traded him away. So, like, you know, when you trade a, no, a guy I know. that... No, I know, but like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think that's where I was like, why is this the way they, it is? Like, But the, they traded it's, them it's last year. Oh, yeah, yeah. They had, they've, had, saying, they've had opportunity to add anything, and they haven't. <laughs> well, yeah, team building has been very different. Difficult for them. <laughs> yes. With no picks. Or at least, in, at least with uh, sustaining things yeah rust yeast yeah so here's to hoping they can just find some sort of rhythm against this because i think the biggest thing with 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 this offense is that they just need the opportunities 
Like they did. We talk about the Raiders game, right? You know what I mean, yep, right. They they just need to to get into a longer sustained rhythm. Quit having so many three and outs. Quit having like just inconsistent or consistent amount of drops. Just be more consistent, as I'm trying to say. And just put drives together. If they don't end in points at this point as a football team, that's fine. They just need to be able to increase the amount of plays they have so they have more opportunities to make impact plays. When you go three and out with two drops and then go sit on the sideline for 20 minutes, that's hard. It's hard to get back into that headspace to then go out and not think about the last drop you just had. And so from there, if they can pretty much just fix those little mistakes, because the balls are getting to them in the right spot, right? It's just the drops and then some inconsistent stuff from Jordan Love. If they can just make the catches they are being expected to make, I think the offense has a very big opportunity to look better than it has. The problem is, is that we don't have any optimism that they will because they haven't through seven games. They haven't put together sustained drives in the first half. They always have to wait till the second half and play from behind. And so that's where the rub is. Is that Stenovich. Right. That just, that's just where the rub is. They have to make plays in the first half so they can sustain drives for the rest of the game. <sighs> yeah. Um, last probably last point um aaron donald still exists up front really good um good thing josh myers has been playing the best football to ever been played by a center um he'll have no problem with aaron donald i'm sure surely there won't be sarcastic tweets about josh myers getting absolutely just destroyed playing the best football his career by aaron donald on sunday surely that will happen it's gonna be turned into a pringles can yeah probably yeah it's just like if if the, if the team wants to, wants to victory lap Josh Myers in his play, and don't get me wrong, I've watched some of like the tape and some plays where he has really looked good. Like there was a play against the Vikings where he started on one of the interior linemen, blocked him very well, handed him off to um, Elton Jen- or to John Runyon Jr., and then picked up a player blitzing on a stunt and just rocked him. Like really good block, dude. Like credit to Josh Myers that block it was a really good one but there's other times where he's blocking nobody or he misses an assignment and those just look really bad and I don't think you can be playing your best football of your career when you're making plays like that and that's part of the issue and against Aaron Donald you're not gonna like he just has enough strength to make Josh Myers look like he's playing with skis on his feet Makes it them... doesn't even matter if it's Josh Myers alone. It could be double teams. Right. He's... Still, he's that much of a bear to deal with. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It, he, he's very strong. One of my favorite TikToks is the 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 short clip from when they were on the um, the Barstool pod with him and it was Aaron Donald and then DK Metcalf was on there. And have you seen this? Oh, please tell me you've seen this. Okay, so mustachioed man. And PFT commenter, whatever the fuck his name is, interviewed Aaron Donald and DK Metcalf like two, three years ago. And they had DK Metcalf on before Aaron Donald like arrived. And they were talking to him. Asked him how much, how much he could bench. He said a lot. He's like 300 pounds. 
and they asked Aaron Donald, like, how much can you bench? He goes, eh, a lot. He goes, you think you can bench more than DK? He goes, yeah. And DK laughed, like, laughed at him. Mm. He goes, how much you bench? And Aaron Donald said he benches 500 pounds. And so this DK Metcalf's face went from laughing to... <laughs> it's very, very funny. I'll have to say it too after the pod, but DK, or to, <laughs> to, to, to wrap it all up, Aaron Donald, very strong. Just oh, yeah absolute behemoth of a man so being able to stop him it's going to be a two-man job Aaron AJ Dillon's going to have his work cut out for him on picking up third down blitzes um and just in general helping out the lineman blocking so there is that anything else Jordan we spent a significantly longer time on the trade deadline than the preview and I want to make sure I'm not missing anything no, I think our players to watch will probably segue into whatever thoughts we have. Alrighty. You go first, because I haven't even thought about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Rams, I mean, it's an obvious one, because it, it literally could just hinge between a win or a loss. Um, but I will not go that direction. I, I'm just going to say Aaron Donald. Okay. I think he obviously poses a big threat to this offensive line that has increasingly led a lot of pressures and sacks. Jordan Love, four the other day. I believe that's the highest this season, especially after the first couple of weeks where everything was really sound and, hey, we got a structure. Jordan Love is doing the things that we expected him to do. Oh, no. Okay. Um, yeah, and I, it's not, it's, you know, Last week it was Daniel Hunter and the pressure that is on Rashid Walker, who they moved away from middle of the game. Yash Diamond comes in, who I believe is in line to start again. Um, we're not talking about the the tackles here, you know, moving Zach Tom or anything like that. It's like Josh Myers, John Runyon Jr., Ellen Jenkins. That interior line will be tested by yeah. Aaron Donald, without and, a doubt. And I think. To by extension, I'm saving saving my point. Then saving my point. Got it. Uh, <laughs> my Ram is going to be Pukunakua. I, I'm really curious to see how he can dice up the 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 Packers secondary, given his stature. Uh... As you had mentioned, having the most success in the league against the zone. Um, outstanding rookie. Just playing very well. Did did really well in place of Cooper Cup as he started the season on IR or the PUP list. Either which he wasn't available to begin the year. Um, has continued to have that sort of success even with Cooper Cup coming back. Um, yeah, I think it'll be important to see how he performs, and he could be one of the big difference makers for the Rams on Sunday, regardless of who's a quarterback, because it shouldn't be their rushing game. And it'll most likely be someone in the receiving core that really burns, um, burns the Packers. Um, Packers to watch. I'm go ahead. You go. You go. You don't know. Well, sneak draft. I'm going to go with Rashawn Gary. Got your contract. Happy for you. Go out and prove it. Go out and I've listen. I've 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 asked him politely right here in this podcast. 
I need to see you getting home more. These are uh, 10 important games right here, Rashawn. That's what you're saying. We need to see him getting home more, right? He's always a second late. I think if he gets home this week, like he'll get home multiple times. And I, I, this is like the week to do it. If there's a week that they really need this, I talked about it earlier. If there's a week that they really need this defensive line and linebackers to show up and make some sacks and put the Rams in some tough spots. Now is that time because the secondary is going to be reeling off of the loss of Razul. No Stokes, no Savage. They just need to just need to get home. And if Rashawn Gray does that, they'll have a recipe, at least from the defensive side, towards a win. I was going to go Jordan Love. It's obvious. He just needs to play better. And my point was before was how Aaron Donald's pressures affects how Jordan Love plays in the pocket or mm-hmm. lack thereof. Like it, it, it's a different gravity that you're going, stepping up in the pocket. Well, if it's coming right at you down the middle of the field, how you roll out, play the edges, everything like that, it's a lot different. I kind of just picked him there. So, I'm, But my my pick that I'm transferring to is Carrington Valentine. That's a he's hell of a player to watch. He's going to be the 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 guy that everybody's going to be really watching on. Oh no, with... I I know. Like Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I like, know you. It's know. just like it's a it's a player to watch like <sighs> It's a player to watch. It's a player to watch. The Broncos game was very rough. You can say that. Um I'll say rough. <laughs> rough. <laughs> um Yeah, and I I I don't think it gets better with this matchup. I think Corlin Sutton is a very good wide receiver. He's an underrated wide receiver. Has battled through injuries. Now we're talking about a rookie who's had a year that no one expected. Cooper Cup, yeah, he's not the Cooper Cup of two years ago when he should have been MVP, but I digress. Um, uh, even Tutu Atwell, we haven't mentioned him as much, but having that's a, a speed threat. Having a resurgence of his career. He's not old by any means, but... I think he definitely had um, had some hype coming out of Ole Miss. And they didn't sorry, really Lou- utilize him in Louisville? the way. Louisville? 2-2 two, Edwell? Two, I could have swore as Ole Miss. That's crazy. Um, two two picks, or two years ago, 2021, drafted the second round. Didn't really have a, a very big uh, rookie year, but had is now coming along um, yeah. as, a, as a third-year guy. So... Yeah, definitely like a slot guy that could be very big for them. And I, I think ultimately, too, is that what I said before, but the Rams wide receiver targets are interchangeable. They'll be in the slot. They'll be on the outside. They'll bunch up together. Like McVay likes – we know how McVay operates. He He's a very good operator in terms of finding the matchups. And when you put out a seventh-round rookie – who's going to be getting the lion's share of snaps the opposite side of Jair Alexander. You do what any team is going to do. You know what I mean? Like, so it's very much throwing him into the fire and see what comes out of it. And first time around was bad. Second time around might be helped by the fact that Matthew Stafford might not play. 
and the Rams are going to start Brett Ripien, but who's to say that really changes anything if it does? Right. All right, Jordan. Score predictions. Go ahead. Um, I think it's a low-scoring game. The weather has turned significantly. Uh, I'm going to go Rams 21, Packers 12. <laughs> I hate that. I hate that yeah. so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. This team stinks, Jordan. So why not win 19 to 17 on a uh, on a random game against the the Rams where they're not playing their starting quarterback? I can't quit you. I can't quit you. <laughs> I just think that the if they don't play Stafford, then it's going to be tough sledding for Ripien. And I really I'm really banking on the fact that the, maybe that the pass rush can get home and they can cause some turnovers, some fumbles, some batted balls that really turn the game for him. And maybe seven of those points are defensive. Maybe they only need to score one one touchdown offense. So here's to that. I will say, I will say, if they don't win this game, considering Matthew Stafford is that bunch of a question mark right now, he has a practice all week. Going to just belabor that point. Play the Steelers. Play the Chargers. Play the Lions. Play the Chiefs. Then December 11th, they play the Giants. I know. Just saying. I know. Just saying. I know. I know. All right, folks. That is it for us. Thank you to, for listening to another episode of Talk of the Tundra. We uh, really enjoy your listenership as well as your company. So thank you again. Be sure to check out all things Eurostep Podcast Network over at gspn.info. There you can find links to all the pods. You can find a link to the Discord. Always a fun time. Um, you can find everything over there. So go check it out. Check out Eurostep and 1 in 6 um, as they head up the Buck season as they're 2-2 two two through 4 games now. Apparently the world is ending in Buck's Twitter sphere from what I've heard. Who's to say? Um, I know you and Adam recorded the latest episode of one and six, which is in podcast feeds now. Uh, Rohan and Ty held a live after the win against the Miami Heat on YouTube. Go to the YouTube, subscribe there if you would. We'd appreciate it. We're putting out shorter clips intermittently with the longer pods as well. So in case you don't want to listen to the full now one and out one and a half hour pod tonight, you can check out a couple clips from the uh, the pod itself. Sort of condensed so be on the lookout for those uh andrew and adam are still talking brewers latest episode came out today or recorded it's, today it's slated for tomorrow yes well i'm looking at it on live on spotify so it says november 3rd and it, that's why i was like it's not the, okay regardless if you are listening to this through a hacked computer listening as we record this, you can go listen to it right now. But you can still go listen to it right now um, as Adam and Andrew talk about the favorite events of the Brewer season, Consul's free agency, and Colin Reyes re-signing. So, go check out that. And Adam and Andrew also record to make time for this. Um, the most recent pod, which was, again, put out tomorrow, apparently... <laughs> <laughs> it's the top all-time Martin Scorsese films. 
So if you're a big Martin Scorsese fan, go check out that pod. It'll be great. Thank you, everyone, for listening. As always, we really appreciate it. And Jordan, thank you. Thank you. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.